Hello and welcome to the Harvard EdCast, a series of conversations with thought leaders in the field of education from across the country and around the world. I'm your host, Matt Weber, and today we're very lucky as part of the Harvard Education Publishing Group book series to have in studio today the author of High Schools, Race, and America's Future, What Students Can Teach Us About Morality, Diversity, and Community. The author is Lawrence Bloom. Welcome to the EdCast. Glad to be with you, Matt. Tell us a little bit about the the reason why you wrote this book and what the book is rooted in in terms of your experience as a teacher. So I've been teaching uh, philosophy and a little bit of education at UMass Boston for many years, and I became interested in racial issues. It was a relatively recent uh, interest of mine, and that got me to thinking about the possibility of teaching at the high school level. I had been doing teaching pre-service teachers, and I hadn't had any experience at the pre-college level myself, so I was feeling a little bit of dissonance about teaching these people to become teachers, especially teachers of students of color. So I made an arrangement basically with my own local high school. This is a school that my own three children went to as well, and partly because I was a parent there and they knew me, it made it easier for them to accept someone without any high school background to become a temporary high school teacher, and I was uh, invited back to teach the course three more times, so I taught it a total of four times, and the book is basically an account of the course itself. The course was a course about uh, race and racism. It was kind of a history-based course with an overlay of moral philosophy, you might say. Where do you even begin to start to sit down and put together your syllabus on a course about race in a very multi-ethnic, very diverse community? Um, Where do you even start that course and how do you frame it in a unique way, especially with philosophy as an underpinning? Yeah, so you, you mentioned how diverse the students themselves were. The Cambridge Range in Latin is an unusually diverse high school, although with the changing demographics in the United States, more and more communities are going to look more like this one. But it's a school in which no racial group is a majority, and I wanted my own class to sort of mirror the demographic of the school. So. So it worked out that way, that I I had sort of about 40% black, maybe 33% white, 15% Latino, 7% or 8% Asian, and a few others as well. So I wanted to have a... um, a curriculum basically that was very intellectually challenging. I didn't want it to just be a course where people were sort of talking about their racialized experience. I wanted them to recognize that race was a subject matter. It was something that you studied about. It wasn't something you already knew just by virtue of living in a in a racialized society. So I made it um, a history course about the historical construction of the idea of race as it was interwoven in the, especially in the Western, uh, you know, in the West with the um, with slavery, essentially, and, and colonization. So that was the kind of intellectual core of the course, and it was extremely demanding. It, I used a, a college-level textbook, but at the same time, the students in the course um, were not students who were necessarily headed to very selective colleges. I tried to keep that kind of student. I didn't want that kind of student in my class, or to put it more positively, I wanted my class to be for the kind of student that might come to UMass Boston rather than the kind of student who would come to Harvard. So I wanted them to be sort of reaching, aspiring to college, but not necessarily taking for granted that they would go to college. And I wanted the course to give them a little bit of a sense of what they might... um, you know, confront where they to get to college. Observationally, as the the, the teacher of this course, uh, what is the most difficult part uh, of a student sort of discussion of race that you observed in your classroom? 
Well, the, the, the focus on the historical material, in a way, made the charged minefield dimension of discussion of race a little bit more muted in a, in a constructive way, I think. That is because we were reading these texts that were about history, they were about what happened in 1670 and changes in the character of slavery around different colonies in the, in the British colonies and so on. People would bring in their own kind of racial experience, but it, but the but the centerpiece was a kind of shared focus on understanding the material. So in a way, I think that made it easier for students to kind of put their stuff out there, which they they definitely did. I mean, the high school students were much more forthright than college students about saying what was on their mind and saying if something was boring and, you know, Mr. Blum, why are we reading this? This is boring. We should read this other thing that's more interesting. So on the one hand, they were really out there, but on the other hand, because um, they recognized that they had this kind of intellectual challenge that they had to rise to, I think it, it made it easier for them to engage with one another about these difficult racial um, issues, and especially in a class that was racially mixed. So all of them, you know, they're talking across racial boundaries in ways that people are really not accustomed to doing in this country. And that was one of the things I really wanted from the class. I wanted to give them some training in doing something that Americans aren't very good at doing, which is talking to each other in an informed and constructive way about about race. Uh, this this class obviously is something that you would maybe expect more to see in a college level and you teaching at, at the high school level. H- how would you say you have to adjust A, the way you teach and then B, the way the material is sort of grasped differently by people at a younger age than people who are in a, in a more uh, open college environment? Yeah, that's that's a good question. At the same time, I particularly wanted high school students to know it, and I want the book to be something that people read and think, oh, yes, we should be teaching this kind of material to high school students more than we do. I'm sort of hoping that some professors will read it and think, oh, that sounds like an interesting thing to do to make an arrangement with my local high school and try to teach a course on racism. And I'm also hoping that high school teachers will see that it's possible to teach about race. I mean, I think people are kind of terrified of teaching about it. So one of the purposes of the book is to make people sort of see that it's both intellectually extremely exciting to teach about race, but also that it's actually possible. Because if you give, you know, to get to your question directly, you know, the high school students in a way are sort of more sensitive to um, interpersonal dynamic issues than college students need to be. I mean, the high school students are more aware of whether you're showing respect for them, whether you're showing interest in them, whether you show that you care about what they have to say. And I think especially as a white professor, it's particularly important to make sure that the students of color know that you really care about them, that you're really interested in what they have to say, and that you are interested in their own intellectual development, that you're there to support their intellectual growth, and that you have to kind of signal that in a lot of different ways, both inside the class and outside the class. I think with college students, you still do have to do that, but you don't have to do it as, as intensively as you do at the high school level. What you said earlier about people are terrified to teach about race. You know, I, I've observed that, too, in, in college classes, and, and it seems like people are worried about offending people. What would, you, what would you say to teachers or to professors out there who maybe are terrified? How can we break down that, that sort of stereotype that teaching race is very scary? And then what can people do to, to be better at that, aside from, of course, reading? reading this book? (laughs) Well, 
you know, it does depend on what kind of material you use to, to teach. And as I say, the historical material, I think, takes some of the punch out of the minefield uh, dimension of, of how scary it is. But another aspect, I think, is to talk to the students explicitly about, okay, how are we going to have, what rules of engagement are we going to have in this class? Given that we're talking about race, let's talk about whether we should, um, you know, have a rule that you should never say anything that offends anybody else. So, you know, I talked, we, my students talked about that issue, and they recognized the problem in having some blanket rule that you shouldn't offend anybody because you don't know what's going to offend somebody. And so some of the students, when they were kind of looking back on the class, said, I discovered that something that inside my head made perfect sense when I put it out there and offended somebody. So I learned from this class that certain things were offensive that I wouldn't have recognized to be offensive. So you obviously can't have a no offense rule, but <laughs> you try to encourage a certain kind of sensitivity, but at the same time, you have to have students be willing to hear someone say something that might sound offensive, but because you've gotten to know that student a little bit over the weeks of learning together, you realize that, it, you know, that other students well-intentioned, they're doing their best to try to understand the material. If they show some kind of ignorance in the remark that they make, you learn something about how to respond to them, you, the other student. And the teacher's role is to sort of help the students to be able to respond to each other in a way that sort of acknowledges that something might be offensive or even genuinely hurtful, but might have come from a well-meaning place. Going from the college level to the high school level, obviously uh, there's different types of evaluations and students assessing classes and things like that. And, and I'm curious, what are high school students saying to you anecdotally at the end of classes or at the end of quarters or semesters? And then are their parents also saying, geez, I, I had no idea that my child would come home at the dinner table and talk about these issues and you're bringing them up at such a young age and how important that is? Well, unfortunately, I didn't have a lot of contact with parents outside of the occasional you know, parent conference, which at the high school level is not as well attended, shall we say, as at the elementary school level. So you know, sometimes I would run across a parent, you know, out, outside of the school context. But basically, I had very little of that kind of feedback from the parents. There were several of the students I kept up with, not, not, in, in a, not in a totally deliberate way, but students would sort of contact me over the years when they were in college, and they would sort of write and say, you know, that the class had really helped them to sort of understand something about what was going on in college. It had spurred them to learn more about race. Um, there were some of them who the opposite happened, that is. That, that is, they said the class was very important to them, but when they got to college, they just went in a different direction in terms of their study, but the course itself had still sort of helped them to be interested in racial issues and made them feel like they kind of understood their fellow students of different uh, racial backgrounds better than they might um, have otherwise done. But I, ca I can't really generalize. There were just a lot of different uh, reactions, but, you know, in general, the students basically felt that it was very... Um, it was a very positive experience. Some of them said it was the best course that they had taken in high school, and they had never really had anything like it since then. Yeah, it gives them a good sense of kind of what's hopefully in store for them in college, too, with some of the great issues that can be talked about. Uh, what's interesting about you, Professor, is that you're a professor, but above all things, you're a philosopher. 
and you're an educator as well, but you're a philosopher maybe at your core. How, I'm curious how philosophy and being a philosopher informs your practice and pedagogy as an educator. Because most people are coming in as educators looking to do this, and you're coming at it from a sort of different angle. Yeah, that's a, that's a great question, Matt. Um, well, one thing that I can point to very distinctly is that my background is in moral philosophy, and I was always putting moral questions to the students. So, for example, when we were studying racism, I asked them to think about the role of the African supplier of slaves to the European slave trader who, you know, then took the boat across the country to the, to the West. And I asked them, was it morally wrong of the African slave trader to take someone who was either a slave or not a slave and to sell them to a European? And that's actually a great question because it's at a time when this is a very accepted practice. There was no organized opposition to it. So stu it, it sort of forces students to sort of think themselves into a historical um, you know, period that's very different from their own, and then to ha make this kind of philosophical move of, am I able to make a moral judgment that something that happened in 1780 is wrong when I'm, I've never lived in 1780? Mm -hmm. So I thought that it was a way that philosophy could both um, enrich historical understanding because it forces them in a certain sense to empathize with a historical actor, to understand a historical actor. But it also makes them think morally. So I did feel that their moral thinking was developed in a way that's similar to the courses that I teach in moral philosophy. So, you know, so that, that moral dimension was, it sort of permeated the class, both in contemporary issues we talked about as well as the historical material. And now the question your publisher's been waiting for me to ask, where can they buy this book, and then who's the book for? What's the target audience? So it's published by Harvard Education Press, and that's a, a main way that you can get a hold of the book. It's, it's available on, on, online as well. And as I mentioned earlier, I, I do hope that teachers will um, read this book and be inspired to do something you know, like this kind of teaching or make use of, of parts of it. I do also hope that um, Americans in general will see that if 17-year-old can talk in a productive way about race, that they can learn something from reading what those young people have to say. I mean, I think people are really interested in the way young people are thinking, and we don't get enough of a window on what their actual thought process is, especially about race, because people don't think of race as something that you talk intelligently about. People think of race as something that's scary that you run away from. So I do hope that a general audience, a general audience of just interest people interested in racial issues in American society will also read the book. Great philosophy. The name of the book is High Schools, Race, and America's Future, What Students Can Teach Us About Morality, Diversity, and Community. Thank you so much, Dr. Bloom, for being on the show. You're very welcome. Thanks for inviting me. This has been the Harvard EdCast, a production of the Harvard Graduate School of Education. I'm your host, Matt Weber. Thank you kindly for listening. The Harvard Graduate School of Education, working at the nexus of practice, policy, and research.